Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Well, we still have no solution in the Connor Brown case. He's set to go to arbitration on Thursday, so... Stay tuned later today. We should get the numbers, but we're going to talk to Pilsy about why a long-term contract has not been signed. We'll also get into the World Juniors. How nice is it? A hockey schedule is on the calendar. And part two of our interview with friend of the show, Craig Button, getting into which second rounder from this year's draft has the most likelihood to succeed earliest and roasting me for being a terrible goalie. All that and more. This the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Tuesday, October 20th. Pilsy, we got lots to get to. Connor Brown, but it was nice to hear Evgeny Dadanov talking about the excitement of choosing to be an Ottawa Senator. Yeah, and this is for real. Like, he had 10 teams courting to him, and then they narrowed it down to, I think, three or four. And then after talking to multiple Sens players that uh, he knows, Zaitsev, Anisimov, um, he really felt, and talking to Pierre Dorian and DJ Smith, that this was the right home for him. And you can't really blame him. Like, if you're a guy in Dadanov's situation, this would be a perfect spot for you. Like, you know you're getting top power play. You know you're getting top six. There's a bunch of young guns coming up and that uh, you're going to help develop. And he even said he wants to be a leader on this team. So I think this was a match made in heaven for the Sens and uh, Dadanov. And thankfully, the Sens are back on the Russian train because they've really acquired quite a bit of Russian talent now. And and that team has a lot of Russian guys. So I think it's a good mix. And I think he's going to fit in real nice here. Including Vitaly Abramov, a guy I've been vocal. I want to see them get a chance to play together. They've skated together in the summer. I've been trying to find on on Twitter. I want to give credit to whoever had this one. But when you mentioned he spoke with Anisimov, someone retweeted it saying, well, Ottawa won the Zach Smith trade. (laughs) Just by the free agent courting of Anisimov saying good things about Ottawa, the city. And it was great to hear that Dadanov also spoke with DJ Smith about what his role will be in Ottawa. Because when we think of DJ Smith... We think of liking these hard-nosed defensemen, the Josh Browns that come in, and guys who are really steady in their own end. So it's great to hear, and there's no chance that he won't be in a top-six role playing first power play unit. So you need all kinds of players to make a team succeed, and this is a huge piece, and it was great to hear his excitement talking from his home in Miami that he's excited to come winter in Ottawa. So you got to respect it, but it can be nothing worse than the Russian winners I'm sure he's seen over the course of his life. But Pilsy, one Russian winger signed, another right winger, not Russian. Connor Brown isn't rushing to sign, although his arbitration is in two days. What is the holdup here? I think like it's it's been made very clear by Connor Brown's agent, Jeff Jackson, that they're looking for more than a one-year deal. And he's... He's been very clear about that in multiple media announcements. Like even I remember months ago when we were talking about Connor Brown extension, he was like, yeah, we want to make a long-term deal here. We don't want a short-term deal. 
The only thing that I can really think of, and go read Haley Salvian's article in The Athletic if you haven't already, lots of good nuggets there, but she makes a good point that the Sens are probably worried about Connor Brown giving him, let's say, a three- or four-year deal at over $4 million. He's going to get $4 million at least. They're worried about eventually all these prospects passing over him, and then you're paying a third-line winger top six money and I think that's what they're worried about but you shouldn't be worried about that because Connor Brown is the kind of guy that can bounce up and down the lineup and he doesn't need to be scoring to be effective like he he's so good at even strength he's he's a guy who really helps align he's going to help these younger guys do all the little things right I think if you're the Senators I don't know why they're playing such hardball here get a deal done lock him up for three or four years at a decent price and it's going to be worth it especially when the contract that Zaitsev has looming large over the next four years is the reason why Connor Brown was available to come to Ottawa in the first place. So you see the long-term commitment to Zaitsev and you're like, well, you made that trade to get Connor Brown. Let's lock him up one year away from unrestricted free agency. But other than most cases where you want the, the salary to be higher year over year later on, Connor Brown's value will never be higher than this upcoming season when he's definitely going to play in a top six role. And then it may diminish more and more over time, but you can't sell that to the agent being like, Hey, uh, eventually your role is going to diminish, but why don't you sign on the dotted line? They have to make Connor Brown feel wanted, but how can you possibly let a guy walk or even not show him a commitment long-term when you literally had him modeling your new jerseys at the unveiling? Doesn't that mean he's a part of the core of this team? It's a very strange PR move, that's for sure. And, like, Connor Brown averaged the most time of all forwards last season for the Sens. Like, this, this is your guy. And he's, he's the kind of guy he came over from Toronto, like you talked about, and now he's embracing this Ottawa culture. And he's going to be one of the guys that really helps the transition from rebuild to playoff uh, push, like, that's the kind of guy you want in your lineup. And the Sens, they don't like arbitration. They genuinely or typically avoid arbitration. The last 10 years of 13 guys that were eligible for arbitration, they solved 10 of them before they hit their arb date. The last arb date that actually happened was Cody Cece uh, a couple of years ago. Man, which is, to be a fly on the wall in that meeting. Yeah, which is hilarious to think about. We were talking off-air, Ross. I think the only stat that Cody Cece had in his advantage was time on ice. He's like, here's my timesheet. I punched all these hours. Pay me. Yeah, hey, when you work more at your job, no matter if you're good at it or not, don't you get paid more? Well, yeah, typically. That's a very good case, Cody. Here's $4.5 million. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah what a oh man what a disaster hey, can't wait to, to him, see though. him in pittsburgh hey, credit to him a one-year one million dollar like that's as much as little pressure as he's had in his career so good for cody cc the other half of that connor brown deal um well more than half there's a lot of kind of pieces being flung back and forth in that deal but connor brown needs to get locked up to me three years would be perfect that's great similar to dadanov but I don't know where the, where the stall is. It's going to be fascinating. And a reminder, when the numbers come out later today, don't freak out because the team is going to come in very low and the player is going to come in extremely high. Exactly. And you're hoping to meet somewhere in the middle, right? And I think this is interesting because Connor Brown probably felt like he had a lot of leverage being, like I said, averaging the most ice time, but playing really well, being a veteran on this team. 
But the senators probably have more leverage because they've made it very clear they're not afraid to let uh, good veteran talent just walk. If if the deal isn't right for the Sens, they'll just leave it alone. Like, look at what happened with Duclair. We were all baffled that he didn't get a qualifying offer. Sens are like, you think we need you? We don't need you. We'll pick up other guys. Our prospects will replace you, et cetera, et cetera. So this is going to be a really interesting situation if this does go to arbitration, but I'm quite confident it won't. Like, they they got to figure this out before. Because like, bringing Connor Brown back on a one-year ARB deal does not benefit either side here. No, not at all, except for the fact I mentioned his value is never going to be higher than next year, so he will have more opportunity. But you got to think, if he's on a one-year deal, will the organization be a little more timid in using him as much, right? Because you're, you're a little, especially with ghost arbitration and there's some bad blood there. I don't know. Uh, it's going to be a very fascinating storyline and an undercover one because Dorian seems to be getting all of his other business done and we're slowly getting down. I think it's just Yarosh, Tierney, and Connor Brown now left to be signed after Decor. I think Schlappick too, right? And Schlappick, That's the other yeah. One. For sure, which is kind of strange that they let him go overseas and play, but not Balsers before his contract was resolved. So reading the tea leaves there, I'm not sure. We actually get into Schlappick with Craig Button because he is quick to jump down your throat. And that's what I love about Craig Button. This first question in part two, he doesn't even let me finish it because (laughs) I told him that his rankings were right on. He tells me that you can't judge a draft. So then I hit him. With, hey, all right, let's go back five years. And I think I stumped Craig Button. But he then comes back with a very good answer. And he's his insight on not only Schlappick, but Will Landon, the second round picks. Then we get into what the message that Matt Murray being acquired sends and a whole lot more. So, Pilsy, before we send it over to Craig Button, let's drive there with our parts from Rock Auto because rockauto.com is a family business that serves auto parts to customers and they've been doing it online for 20 years. Talk about ahead of your time. Go to rockauto.com and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers. You can find literally anything there. If you're looking for motor oil, they got you covered. Tail lamps, yep. Even new carpet, whether it's for your classic or daily drive get everything you need in a few easy clicks and it's delivered directly to your door you don't have to wonder about wait if my car's broken down how am i supposed to get my brake modules from rock auto well this easy to use website brings them right to your front door that is service the rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate you can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands specifications and prices you prefer Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Why don't you get yourself two different parts at rockauto.com for the price of one at those other guys? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. All we ask here is that you put locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box. That way, they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need that's rockauto.com guys you know we love built bar here on the locked on centers podcast but you gotta try their new product built go built go makes you the best at whatever you do break through that wall you know, you're, it's a work day. It's coming around after lunchtime. You're a little hungry. You're a little tired. It's 2 p.m. You got a couple hours more to go at the office, but get built, go, and you'll break through that wall of tiredness, whether it's mental or physical wall. 
Use Built Go to break through it. Easy to take in one and a half ounce packages. Put it in your briefcase for work, put it in your golf bag for the back nine, or just put it in your pocket for anything you're doing throughout the day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market, guys. It's five hour energy without the same crash feeling. You don't, you don't want that crash feeling coming down because then you hardly even got up. You're just, it's one step forward, two steps back. No good. It's like drinking an energy drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. We got three delicious flavors for you. Peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. Go for the chocolate mint. That's my pick of the week this time. So delicious. How does Built Go work so well though? Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is a fast absorbing gel, so it gets into your system fast and it's easy on the stomach. Built Go then kicks to keep you going. You got B6, B12, lots of good vitamins there. Collagen promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. This literally will make you look better, guys. It's great stuff. Someone who I know is going to be trying to break through a wall to get from juniors to the AHL or even NHL, Igor Sokolov is going to be using Built Go to break through his wall. And if he wants a good deal, go to BuiltGo.com, use promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 30% off your next order. Guys, that's promo code LOCKED for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. I'm glad you mentioned Igor Sokolov because we ended part one discussing the big second round winger and we start part two with Craig Button. I say who will get to the NHL first between he. So he is Igor Sokolov and this man is Craig Button. Without further ado, here he is, TSN's Director of Scouting. Which of the second rounders do you think has the best chance to make an impact first of him? Jarventi is having a great start to the Liga season, leading his team in points. And then Tyler Clevin. You were like right on, by the way, in your rankings for all three of those guys. I think you had No, Jar- no, no. Wait a sec. Wait a sec. My rankings, you evaluate that in three to four years' time. <laughs> well, hey, that's a perfect lead into my next question. Okay, then. But, but, but just yeah. let me finish, Ross. So my rankings aren't about where I think players will be drafted. My rankings right. are about how, who I think will be the best players in three to four years' time. Now, I can tell you about Robbie Urvente, who I've watched for a number of years. He, he just kept getting better and better and better and better. And he very well could have been a first-round draft pick. He very well could have been. And I'm not so sure if they didn't keep playing – over like down at the seasons didn't get canceled that he might not have found his way in there. You know, it was funny, you know, Bob McKenzie, who, who, who does uh, the NHL draft list, the final draft rank, ranking for NHL scouting, which is insight into, you know, what NHL teams are, are, are thinking. He, he gives you the perspective from the scouts and what they're thinking and where players could go in the draft. So that's where, you know, that's where you look at real tight on the draft. And, you know, I said to Bob, as we were putting together, I said, make sure you talk to, the, talk to people around the NHL about Robbie Urvente. Because I knew he wasn't. Bob said to me, he goes, oh, yeah, teams were like, like, oh, yeah, being a little coy. And I had a couple of calls from teams telling me, Oh, you have to really start pushing Robbie Urventi, do you? <laughs> well, he's a good player. He's fast. He's aggressive. When I say aggressive, he's aggressive with his speed. He's on the puck. He's tenacious. He can shoot the puck. He can make plays. Like to me, he's a lot like Shane Pinto's. The pick of Shane Pinto last year. First pick in the in the second round last year was Pinto. Urventi is the, the second pick in the second round this year. No question in my mind, they're both going to play. No uh- question in my mind, they're both going to play. 
Oh, that's awesome. We made that uh, comparison after we saw him wear, rocking the golden helmet with his team. I love that tradition in, in the league for the top point score. But you said four to five years. So five years ago was Trent Mann's first draft. as Three to four as, years. Three to four years. Right. Fair enough. Well, I picked the 2015 because it was okay, kind of two, two first rounders. That was the year they traded Robin Leonard. They got the pick that became Colin White. But there's two players in this draft that I think are make or break years for them. And I'm curious how you think they're going to respond to that. And that's Philip Schlappick and the aforementioned Christian Willannon. Because there's a spot on D, I think, in pencil. They want Willannon to take it. You could have argued they would have wanted that last year if he didn't suffer that injury on day one of camp. But do you think those guys have what it takes to push and, and become everyday NHLers now? Wow, this is uh, – you're putting me on the spot. I know. I'm, I'm sorry, not, Craig. I'm, no, no, you're not sorry because you, if you were sorry, you wouldn't have asked the question. So I know Good how much catch. you hate – I know how much you hate to apologize, so you're not really sorry. I, I don't think Philip Schlappick's an NHL, regular NHL player. I think he's a depth uh, centerman. Uh, you know, you draft a player in the second round, you're, you're, you're trying to develop him, you're trying to see how much more he, he can develop, but, but I, I see him as a depth player uh, through and through. Now, well, Landon's very interesting, and he and Max Lajoie might be in the same boat. You know, Ottawa Senators fans were quite excited about Max a couple of years ago. Rightfully what a hot so. start. Four goals in seven games. Yeah. I couldn't but, believe but, it. But he can skate and he can move and what whatnot. And you talk about uh, uh, Willannon with his injury last year. I think they're competing for a spot between those two. So what I would tell you is both of them aren't going to play. And, you know, as, as you get up, as you get up, because now what you got to be looking at now, on the left side, you have Shabbat, you have Branstrom, you have Sanderson. And I'm not trying to put them in any order. On the right side, I'm just talking about young guys. You got Bernard Docker and you got Lassie Thompson. Clearly ahead of those guys. <laughs> Clearly ahead of those guys. You've added Gabranson and Josh Brown. <laughs> Some size. <laughs> well, they're right shot defensemen. They're yeah. different types of players. You know what? Christian Willannon and uh, Max Lajoie, you know, Jake Sanderson's not ready today. And maybe he'll be ready in a year. I I'm not so sure about that. I, I have my reservations about that. But if you want to establish yourself as an NHL player, the only time for Wolanin and Lajoie is right now. Because next year, I think they'll be moving past them. So what I'm telling you is, question marks. Yeah, and that's fair. And that's why they're such polarizing guys, right? Uh, where we're not sure where they slot in. So usually with the Ottawa Senators, it's all about the draft and all about the prospects. But we actually have some exciting NHL talent to finally talk about. So I want to get your opinion on, on some of the new guys coming in. What was your take on the trade and ultimately the signing of Matt Murray? We know he battled inconsistencies and injuries the past two seasons. Last season was the worst of his career. How do you feel that fit works in Ottawa now? Well, when you look at Ottawa's scenario and, and you consider, you know, there's no A-level prospect in the net. There just isn't. There's goaltenders that are are progressing and whether that's Matt Sogard or Kevin Mandelese or Ryan Decor, like, and Gustafson, who, who, who is a good prospect, but I cannot, uh, just to be clear, I cannot place any of those guys as A-level prospects, which says, okay, we need a, we need a stopgap here for a period of time. So acquiring a goaltender in, in, in a market flush with goaltenders this year, I think was significant for the Ottawa Senators. You know, you got young group, you know, obviously Craig Anderson moves out. You're not sure. Well, you are. You have a pretty good idea of what, of what the other goaltenders are capable of doing. And, you know, you give up a second round draft pick for Matt Murray. A second round draft pick for Matt Murray. 
Their seventh highest pick in the draft. Well, wait a second. They, they had six picks. How, how can that be anything but an absolute positive? Yep. I, I really like Matt Murray. You know what? Just because you had a bad year or an off year, let's call it an off year, doesn't mean you're going to have two off years. He was significant for the Stanley Cup champions, uh, championships in 16 and 17. Significant. And Oh, we know uh, all too much about this. I, I know you do. I know you do, and fair enough. But, you know, I like Matt Murray. I like his demeanor. I, 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 like, I like the contract he just signed. And people might say it's a little bit. But I think Matt just settling in, being the guy, and not that he wasn't the guy in Pittsburgh, but I think that – I saw it with Marc-Andre Fleury. Marc-Andre Fleury won a Stanley Cup in 09. You know, then there was some bumpy years there for, for Marc-Andre Fleury, specifically in the playoffs. You know, he went and found his game again. So what I'm really telling you is, I think that for the Ottawa Senators, outstanding pickup. And I know how hard Matt works, and I know how dedicated Matt is. I think that Matt will find the form in his game again and I think that we'll look back at the 2019-20 season as one that was just one of those off years blip on the radar screen for uh, for Matt Murray. I, I, I love it. I, I think it was really shrewd by Pierre Dora. And especially the age factor, 26. This deal takes him right to 30. If Hogberg's going to step up, he's going to get a chance as a backup. And we've liked what we've seen from him. But to get a shirt, almost shirt thing, of course, goalie's a little voodoo. We, we know all about that too well uh, before Craig Anderson, Ottawa, kind of being a goalie graveyard itself. But <laughs> they've also been, been uh, shrewd. I'm wondering what your take is on uh, drafting a goalie every year just to be safe. Like Matt Sogart last year, Mandalazy the year before, uh, Joey Decord two years before that, and then going way off the board, it seemed, to take Levi Marilainen at 71st overall. But more so not about the player, but about the strategy of taking a goalie every year. And I might have called uh, Joey Decord Brian Decord. Brian's his father who just got hired by the Arizona Coyotes. So I know. I so we, we heard that. And then when Kemper was on the market, we're like, no, please don't poach Joey. We're, we're big fans. He's been on the show as well. So Yeah, no, Joey. So, so if I said Brian, I meant to say Joey, right? There's nothing. You're always trying to make sure your prospect shelves in the cupboard are stocked. What you have to be able to do with goaltenders is have a place for them to play and develop. So you, you could draft a goaltender every single year, but you, you start to look at now. So Mandalese is pro. Uh, Gustafson is a pro. Joey Decord is a pro. You better have places for them to play. Yeah, because that is, you, you talk about voodoo, but, it, but, but that's, that's this, there's only one net. There's only one net to play in. And there's only so many teams that you can place a goalie with, you know, in your organization. So the thing is, it's all these goalies are signed. So now they have expectations. They want the opportunity to play, right? So why don't we just try to who, who's going who's going to the East Coast League? Oh, I don't know if anyone's going to raise their hand and and offer. I can guarantee you, none, none of them are. <laughs> and and they want to be in the highest league possible. Then they start to think, okay, you know, what does this mean? Well, you know, Belleville's goaltending coach, he's going to be there more. Players think like that. And, and they should think like that. So this is now incumbent upon Ottawa to make sure that they are giving all the attention possible to their goaltending prospects. And regardless of where they are, the goaltending prospects have to feel that. They have to feel that they are being given every opportunity. And if they're playing in the East Coast League, they have to feel that even more. So, you know, it's a, it's a balancing act for NHL teams. It's a balancing act for the Ottawa Senators. So 
it, it, it's nice to say we draft a goaltender every year, but when you sign them, you, you better you better have a place for them to play, and you better give them the appropriate attention. Yeah, the clock starts ticking. Yeah, definitely. And I think it was a major move for uh, Ottawa franchise when before they used to split uh, the Brampton Beast, the East Coast team with Montreal. And that made a lot of tough decisions for which goalie prospects are going to get the ice time and which aren't. So now the Beast are just with the Ottawa centers. It gives them at least two more goalie spots to play around with. So that's good, at least. Craig, I want to ask you last question for me. Looking ahead to the 2021 draft, the Sens have four picks in the first round. We talked about how great of a deal, or uh, the first two I, rounds. I sorry. wish, that'd be nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we talked about how great of a deal it was trading a second round pick and Jonathan Gruden to uh, Pittsburgh for Matt Murray. Do you see them using those four picks in the first two rounds as another way to get more NHL-ready players? Or could they stay status quo and actually draft all those four picks? Well, what, what, what I would say to you is, is that, you know, when you have picks and now you can, you, you can look at options and you can consider different opportunities. So, I mean, the picks were already in, you know, stockpiled by the Ottawa Senators. And then all of a sudden Matt Murray becomes available, as did other goaltenders, right? If you don't have those picks, if you don't have John Gruden, and I forgot about John Gruden and part of that deal, so and and I apologize for that. But you know, if you don't have that player that you've drafted in draft picks, well, you get, okay, you might be interested in Matt Murray, but Jim Rutherford says you don't have anything that interests me, right? So, so what I would say to you is that in, in this regard, looking ahead to the twenty-one draft, Ottawa with a season now, however long that season is, are going to have an opportunity to evaluate players evaluate on their own team and evaluate and see what, you know, who can, who's developed, who can take on a whole, who can take on a, a greater role. And now you go into that draft with currency. And, and, you know, when you go into a store, if your pockets are empty, you don't have a, you don't, your, your credit card is maxed out and you don't have any cash in your pocket. You might see the most beautiful piece of clothing that you might want to buy, but you can't get it because you don't have the currency. All I know is this, Ottawa has currency. And when you have currency, you can consider a lot of buying options. And draft day is the best time to use it. We saw your brother in Calgary drop back twice in the first round to ultimately secure more players, and including one that we, we love to uh, discuss in Jeremy Poirier. I'm so interest, intrigued at what his career is going to be like. Watching highlights in the offense zone, so looks like he's going to be an all-star in the defensive zone. Yeah, a little bit okay, of a yeah, but, okay. but what do you, let me ask you this. Okay, so Jeremy, so I'm not here. So, so, so what are you drafting Jeremy for? For offense. Okay, yeah. The guy's a superb skater, had 20 goals, 50, I think 50 points, right? Like, yeah. And, and, and so are you drafting him to play in the defensive zone? No. And, and now people are going to – you know one thing I've learned about, uh, about the draft is that going into a draft – all I hear about is all the flaws of players. What about this? What about that? And every single player that gets drafted that I heard all the flaws about, all the teams celebrate what they are. <laughs> so wait, wait a second. Have you ever heard a, player, a team get up? Yeah, we, we love having Jeremy Poirier, but his defense sucks. It's, <laughs> no, you focus on Have you ever on, heard a team it, say that? No, ever? no. It's no, just like don't. what Ottawa did with Ridley Gregg. What you're I, focusing I, I, on what he brings. I honestly laugh. I, I chuckle every year leading into the draft. I, I hear about all the flaws, and yet I don't hear one team talk about the flaws of, of the player. that Because all the players that got drafted, I heard about all their flaws. Now I don't hear any flaws. <laughs> 
Well, unfortunately, we don't have a full year to recover before we're back at it with the extra time between last draft and, and 2020. So 2021, we're expecting Ottawa will probably be another lottery team. If, if it's a little bit later, though, we would hope. But I'm looking back, 2019, the US NDP had just an unbelievable run. And then this past season, 19 out of 31 picks were Canadian. Are there any early trends developing? Is it very strong on defensemen in 2021, I may have heard? Or what should we be looking forward to in the early returns? Yeah, you know, you saw this year, there was only two defensemen drafted in the first 10 picks. And I, I believe the next defenseman drafted after that was, uh, was it was it Braden Schneider at 19? No, Caden Gooley. It was Gooley and then, yeah. At, yeah. So uh, you, what I would tell you is, there's going to be a lot of defensemen drafted in the first 10 picks because there's a lot of really, really good defensemen. And the other unique thing about next year's draft with the defensemen, they're all bigger players. They're all the, they're, we're not talking about smaller defensemen in next year's draft. We're talking about bigger players that can skate and think and make plays with the puck and are really, really good. So, you know, when, when I look ahead to next year's draft, I see a, a, a real wealth of top end defensemen available. And I think there'll be a, a massive run. So, you know, if that's Owen Power or Simon Edmondson or Corson Suleiman's or Brent Clark, I mean, it, it goes deep with defensemen and, and, and they're really, really good. And you know what we might have too? We might have the first ever first overall pick from Finland and Atu Ratti. He is a, uh, he's a superb two way centerman. Wow, I'm almost surprised that Finland hasn't uh, had a first overall pick. I know what Miko Koivu probably went third. I, I think he was he was a top three. Lukaku went two. Oh, and, and Line as well. Uh, uh, no, Line went uh, two, and Barkov went two. They've never had a number oh, one. Oh, so close! Wow, we're going to be and and and, and uh, Leighton in the goaltender went two to Atlanta years oh, ago. Yeah. So oh, awesome! A well, goalie friendly show, perfect place to end off. Craig, goalie Button. friendly show always. Oh. We went over this. Remember, I got the great glove hand. I can catch left or right. Yeah. The problem is, is that uh, I think it's your glove. Each one of those gloves has a hole in it. Oh, man. It was either <laughs> that or I talked too much to the officials. It was, it was not a pretty sight. Brandon, I don't know if you knew what the scouting report was on, uh, on Ross as a goaltender. Like, you go back and you talk to people that scouted him, right? And they said his problem was just, it was a general overall problem. And they said shots. <laughs> yeah well Craig you're used to you talked about everyone just says the flaws I heard a lot of positives from guys uh wingers trying out on teams that Ross was put a lot of pucks in that make a lot of wingers look pretty good oh come on I got I past the first you know this but like when they were casting about for people to to perform in the movie dodgeball Ross was at the top of their list because they said he was really good at not getting hit Man, this yeah. is almost as bad as when on live radio, they asked Mandy Petrillo, we were talking about um, bringing in food, and she mentioned that I was a cook, and Craig Button said, wear Taco Bell. I was like, come on, I got to bring you something, and then obviously COVID happened, but I still owe you a meal, Craig, for sure, and it won't be tacos, I promise you. <laughs> but thanks so much for taking the time with us today. Really appreciate it, Craig. Love your work at TSN and all over the platforms. We're going to be focused on uh, on that coming up whenever next season is and hope to get to work with you at least lunch here sooner rather than later oh we will and it's always my pleasure to join you and i uh, look forward to the next time because now i'm a recurring guest shout out once again to craig button for taking the time to join us the other night especially had to move it back because dad and i've got signed it would have been super easy for him to say look i'm busy can't do it but he still took the time to hang out with us and that is why 
He's a friend of the show. And Pilsy, another friend of the show, Henry, has his schedule for Sens prospects down pat because there's going to be a few of them in the World Junior, and we got to debate which one because the schedule came out. It's going to be in the controlled environment in Edmonton, the same exact bubble, same hotels that the NHL used. So in terms of the success rate, I think everyone is fairly confident they'll be able to pull this off. But will Ridley Gregg be able to make Team Canada? Will Tyler Clevin be able to make the States? Will Tim Stutzla be at NHL training camp or the World Juniors? There's so many questions. Pilsy, do you got any answers? Well, geez, I don't have any answers. If Bob McKenzie still doesn't know, I can tell you for damn sure I'm still not sure. But this adds a lot of intrigue. Like the fact that NHL training camps are going to be happening while World Juniors is happening is so strange. Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah, depending on the start date for the NHL. But I think it just creates another wrinkle because now NHL teams got to start looking at these high-end prospects like, where are you at? Like, do we think you still could use a, I don't want to say a training camp or development tournament, but do you, do we think you still should try to develop your skills at a lower level at the junior level? Or do we think you're done with that and you're going to come right to training camp and forget that uh, prestigious worldwide tournament and playing for the pride of your country? Never mind that. You're coming with us to the NHL whenever it starts. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, of who these who's going to make the team. For example, Ridley Gregg's season doesn't start until January 8th. So what are you basing it off of? Well, here's the, here's the interesting thing. This is the most interesting part of Bob McKenzie's tweet that, thread that I saw. And if you haven't checked it out, check it out. He has a lot of good nuggets in there. Since Team Canada is worried about a lot of their players, they haven't played meaningful games in a long time, especially the OHL and WHL guys. Even the Q guys have only played a couple of games. Things are shutting down. But Team Canada is considering having a bubble training camp for a month starting in November if it's imagine approved by cut. the government. Ma- imagine getting cut at the end of that. Oh, yikes. But they're expanded rosters, right? You're going to have two more roster guys. So that's less cuts at least. So that's nice. But I think that would, that's an interesting idea because you've got to try to ramp up competition here. You've got to get these guys training hard because – it's been a while since they've really uh, like competed on the ice in a heavy level. And what a training camp that's going to be. That, like, that's going to be so interesting to see all the guys there for that long. So hopefully we get everything figured out and uh, the World Juniors runs without a hitch. But like you said, they're using the same protocol, same area as the NHL bubble. So I expect things to go smoothly. One thing that is different will be the start date. No longer on Boxing Day. It will be on Christmas Day. It's a miracle starting with Switzerland and Slovakia. Everybody's top matchup. No, just kidding. But Germany plays Finland at 6 o'clock Eastern. And then talk about a perfect Christmas night matchup. So you've spent time with your family. You've just had a big dinner. Huge turkey. You've got... You've got, you know, that post-food post, post food crash. What are you going to tune into? Russia. Bilko. Oh. Russia and USA on the first night of World Juniors. It's not great that Canada's not involved in the first day, but they certainly make up for it playing Timmy Superstar on, uh, on Boxing Day. Well, I thought it was interesting. I never knew this, and I don't know if this is a new rule or not, but I was watching the, the video from TSN of Duffy and Bob McKenzie, and he was saying that, the defending world champ or the defending champs get to pick the schedule. So Canada oh, does. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I didn't have cool. no idea. Canada decided to do it this way. And I love their thinking, or at least what Bob McKenzie's uh, portraying their thinking as is get 
the the second hardest team that you think in the division, Germany, play them right away, get some competitive juices flowing, then do the easy ones in between, and then on the last day when you're prepped, you've got your chemistry, you've got your lines better, that's when you go up against the big bad dogs in Finland because that's been a big rival for Canada lately. This Finnish team is really good. And speaking of uh, Germans, if Timmy Stutzler doesn't play for them, that is a massive knock to that team. It is, it is. And you mentioned them playing Finland. It will be on New Year's Eve. And Robbie Yarventi could be on the Finns. I didn't mention him when I was talking about all the other sense prospects that could be floating around in that tournament. We, I would love to see Stutzla play, especially knowing that he's already the captain of that U20 team. But it wouldn't be so bad seeing him between Abramov and Dadanov during that same period as well. I don't know. I know the NHL really wants to fit an 82-game schedule in. And there are some ways that maybe they could with these divisional, like the Canadian division, Ottawa plays Toronto, like basically like the Bartleys and Belleville where they just play each other every three days. But why not just wait until after the World Juniors? It seems like you have all this time to lead up to it. You've already pushed back from December 1st to January 1st. Why not just start training camp on January 1st and then start on the 15th? I mean, I'm actually really happy that I have no say in any of this because it seems like a pretty big headache, Pilsy, but that's my two cents. Yeah, and I mean, that's fair. I think uh, the NHL would counter to, to that saying, we don't appease to other leagues. We are the top league. The Let world the kids juniors. play. Yeah, the world juniors should start earlier and finish uh, <laughs> based on our date is probably what they think. But it, hey, for me, I'm on... Um, I'm of the thinking that if the Senators should let Stutzla play in the World Juniors. Well, you like, don't think the NHLers want to have Christmas with their families as well? Yeah, that's definitely a good point. Yeah, especially all the European guys being in a bubble in Edmonton. That's not uh, their idea of a <laughs> magical, miraculous Christmas morning. But I, if I'm the Senators, let Timmy Stutzla play. He should have recovered enough time. Like we said in an earlier pod, they have to get there December 13th, but then they're quarantining for two weeks. So that's another two weeks of healing, and you can be uh, working on that hand and getting it ready. And if you're the centers, what's the rush to get Timmy Stutzla in the lineup a week or two early? Like, let him go to Germany. He's already going to be the captain. Let him feel confident, have some pride, get his get his skill sets going, play in meaningful games again before he gets to training camp, and showcase him to the world. I think there's no rush to get Stutzla in this lineup, so why hold him out of this uh, big tournament where he's going to get a, a chance of a lifetime to play for his team and possibly make some noise? Amen to that. Timmy superstar and go look at his YouTube clip from there's a 14 minute of his world junior play last year. He didn't score a goal, but he had five assists in five games and he is just electric whenever he picks up the puck. He does this one move on the power play too, where he leaves the zone and it's almost like, wait, where's he going? And then he just turns on a button and, and that way he's coming in with speed as he gets the puck. It's just awesome to watch, he's and I so can't wait sneaky. until he's doing that at the NHL level. Hey, Corey Promman, just before we go, uh, put out his list, and we'll dive into this more tomorrow, but I thought the ordering was really interesting, but what we will tell you is that pre-draft, he had the Sens as the seventh best organization. I believe this is for 22 and under, maybe, because Brady Kachuk is still considered for yeah, this list, is. but now they're up to three. So for all the haters who hate it on the draft, there's some uh, solid upward movement there. And talking about lists and getting mad at lists, I don't want to get too deep into this, but how I, I forget the guy's name, but the oh, guy the who went galaxy brain, brain and put yeah. the Senators at 14th prospect pool yeah. ranking. Like, 
I, I'm sorry, man. I don't know what I don't know what stats, charts, graphs, pie charts, uh, tables you're using, but that is ridiculous. And the biggest joke is anyone who thinks that oh well, these charts don't have a bias against your team. That's not what we're saying. We're saying that they're poorly manufactured. If you're saying that a team who consistently ranks in the top five in prospect pool, and we see them firsthand in Belleville, how talented they are. Oh, do you, do you guys forget Belleville was in first place? in the North Division, second in the American Hockey League with the one of the youngest teams. It's just a, a trash system. Maybe they should work on fixing that. And then somebody was like, hey, well, maybe you should show your work so we can see how well this is done over time. He's like, nah, I can't. It's actually my first year doing it. Well, um, might be the last two. The big brain Swing on a Brad. Miss. We, um, imagine we, Button's reaction to seeing that. Uh, like you guys heard what Button thinks of the Sens prospect pool. 14. Oh man. what a I joke. would love to put those two guys in a room and put a microphone <laughs> and let them go at it. But Hey, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll break down Bronman's list for Brandon Piller. I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the locked on senators podcast, your team every day. <laughs>